for Moses and the children of Israel if the Red Sea was already parted when they showed up? That would have been cool, right? They're like, Moses, we're going right to the Red Sea. Moses like, don't worry, man. God already put up the dam. We're good to go. But no, they get there and it's still there and people are freaking out. And Moses like, stand and see the salvation of God. And then it parts. So for each one of us, the gift is on the step of faith, not before it. I wish it was before it, but then you wouldn't have to walk by faith. Taking a step of faith is hard. Let's admit it. It requires doing something when you really don't know the results. That's scary, and a lot of times people don't even try because of that. And today, that might be you. Stay tuned as Pastor Daniel reminds you that taking a step of faith doesn't have to be that intimidating because you already have a promise of the outcome. God's going to meet you there, and he's going to do something good. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in James chapter 1 as he continues his message, Put Feet on Your Faith. Remember I said, we remember the gift giver. He is light. He wants to change our lives. Well, James gets uber practical. Look what it says. James chapter 1 verse 19. So then, you see that word so then? That's the conclusion, right? Because of what's just been so then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Now, I would call this three simple truths. These three, and it's so funny. James was inspired by the Spirit like 2,000 years ago, and if there was ever like, we need these three simple truths right now in our culture, it's right now, as timely as ever. Three simple truths. What are they? Be quick to listen. Slow to speak. Slow to get angry. Look at the person next to you say, be quick to listen. Don't talk so much. Don't get angry. Does it get more practical than that in our day and age? Because we live in a day and age where everyone has something to say. Nobody wants to listen and everybody is triggered. Everyone's aggro. People are flipping out. How many of you in the last week were in a conversation with someone where they weren't listening to you, they were just waiting to talk? The other person thought the same thing about you. <laughs> you see, I did that. That's true. Ouch, right? But listen, because God is the father of lights and there's no shadiness in him, he's like, listen, because of that, take your time and listen to people. Listening, my friends, is spiritual hospitality. Listening is, listening is spiritual hospitality. And because you're listening, you're not talking so much. And of course, I always think of Proverbs chapter 10, verse 19, where it says, in a multitude of words, sin is not lacking, but he who restrains his lips is wise. Isn't that a nasty Bible verse? My bride Lynn's like, Daniel, that is your life verse. She didn't really say that, but she's thinking that deep in her heart, right? Because the idea is that when we talk so much, sin is there. And actually the wise person is the person who's like, I'm just not going to talk this much. So 
We have to learn, and of course, we, you know, kids hear this all the time, little kids, you know, you've been given two ears and one mouth so you can listen twice as much as you speak. But none of us growed up kids actually practice that. And I think we need to. We need to. So we need to be quick to listen, and we need to be slow to speak, and then it says we need to be slow to anger. Now, what's amazing is if you look at the character definitions of God all through the scriptures, over and over and over again in the scriptures, it says that God is slow to anger, and he's abounding in mercy. So the slow to anger, the slow to wrath personality is someone who is taking on the characteristics, the personality characteristics of God, but there's a reason that James gives why being angry or wrathful isn't wise. Look at what it says. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So here's what I'm going to tell you. If you're a person of faith, you believe in Jesus, your anger is not going to produce what you actually want, which is that person to be righteous. Because what's making you angry is is your perceptions of their unrighteousness, but your anger actually does not make that person unrighteous. You might say, well, Fusco, what does? I'm so happy you asked. Paul in Romans chapter 2 verse 4 said, or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and longsuffering, not knowing that it is the goodness of God that leads you to repentance? So it is not your anger at the situation that changes anyone's life. It is at best, your ability to be a vehicle for God's goodness to come into that situation. And I'm here to tell you, when you are angry, you are not a vehicle for God's goodness, his forbearance, his grace, or his long-suffering. So our anger and our frustration at things is actually counterproductive to the very thing that we want. So when you have a habit that is counterproductive to your goal, what should you do? Build a new habit, peoples. Like, listen, I love the fact that the Bible is prophetic and I love the fact that God is, but if there's three simple truths that you're like, this could fix all the ills of American society, it's actually these three right here. If people were to stop talking over each other, but listen to each other and stop being angry with one another, maybe we can get somewhere as a culture. Now, here's the deal. I do not expect people who do not believe in Jesus to get this because when you don't believe in Jesus, you don't have the spirit of God checking you so that you're not in the flesh. But I absolutely believe that the people of God need to get this right. If you're here today and you're like, I'm a follower of Jesus, then listen, be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Because you know that your frustration, your anger, your wrath, is, it does not, look at it, it's like verse 20, The wrath of man does not. It's so definitive. It will not even a little bit. I say this in a world right now where believers, I watch Christians, not here at Crossroads, but I watch Christians in our community, they are raging right now. And I'm just like, somebody get a Bible and read James chapter one, please. And just so you know, to be really honest, because confession is good for the soul, bad for the reputation, I have to repeat these verses to myself too. Because sometimes I get frustrated. But I'm constantly reminded, this does not get the job done. There's a whole other way when you remember the gift giver who is light and in him is no darkness at all. You're like, God has a whole other way of dealing with these things. And what we're doing as the church is we are losing our witness. 
in the name of, I am angry. I am frustrated. I do not like it. And I'm like, ah, we just need to read the word. You know why I said that? Look at what happens next, verse 21. Therefore, okay, when you see the word therefore, crossroads, what do you say? What's it there for? So good. You see that? You got, we've been teaching you guys some good stuff here. It's another conclusion. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and the overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in the mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of a man he was. Now, I love this because, brothers and sisters, you and I, we need to not only hear the word, we need to do the word. We need to do the word. See, when I look at what's going on with be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to wrath, and I look at what's going on, I'm like, people are not applying the scriptures that they believe at street level where the rubber meets the road in real time in their lives. And James is really saying, because you remember the gift giver, he's light, there's no darkness at all. Because God is light, he should change our lives. And because God is changing our lives, James says, because of all of this, lay aside all the filthiness. Lay aside the overflow of wickedness. Lay aside the abundance of wickedness that can happen in our culture and receive with meekness that strength under control of the implanted word which will be able to save your souls because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So receive the word. But then he says, but don't only hear the word. Do the word. Put feet on your faith. Take the scriptures and let God do the work of empowering us to walk it out. He says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourself. I don't want you to miss that. Because we saw in verse 16, James says that we deceive ourselves when we think that God is tempting us. So that's the first deception. That temptation comes from God. He's like, no, no, no. Temptation comes from when you're drawn away by your desires. And that gets drawn away and then you start having sin babies, so to speak. You know, read it. That's biology. You're drawn away, then all of a sudden gives birth to sin, and then all of a sudden you have grown-up sin babies, which is called death. That's what, the, that's what James said. So don't have sin babies. That's what it really means. But now the deception is you hear the word and you think that that's enough. You hear it, but you don't put feet on it in real time. Now he says, the word is able to save your soul, but God doesn't only want to save our souls, he wants to change our lives as well. So a soul that is saved leads to a life that is changed. And the change happens when we don't just hear what the scripture says, but we do them. We live it out. And he said the person who hears the word but doesn't do it is like someone who looks in the mirror, checks himself out, and forgets what he looks like. Now, isn't that an odd picture? Can you imagine if you forgot what you look like? Some of you are like, I wish I could. That's how I feel in the morning. I look in the mirror, I'm like, gosh, almighty Jesus. But really what he's saying is like, there's absolutely no awareness of who you really are if you hear the word and you don't do it. Now what's amazing is, is in Matthew chapter seven, verses 21 to 28, Jesus tells a story of the person who built their house on the rock 
versus the sand. You guys remember the story? One house gets built on the sand, one house gets built on a rock, which is a strong foundation. In both cases, all sorts of things come up. Rain, floods, all these natural occurrences happen. And in one case, the house that's built on the sand, when all that stuff comes, everything falls down, which would make sense. You build a house without a foundation, you get wind, you get weather, you get water, and before you know it, it falls down. The house that's built on the foundation, even though the weather happens, it stands strong. It stays. It's still weather-beaten, but it doesn't collapse. And Jesus said, those who hear these sayings of mine and does them is the person who built their house on the rock. And the person who built their house on the sand are those who hear these sayings of mine and does not do them. So Jesus uses the same picture as James. That it's not enough just to hear the word. It's about what you do with what you hear. Now, here's what I want to tell you for all of us right now. What do you know you're supposed to be doing because God has told it to us in his word that you're not doing? That right there is where God wants to transform your life. Right there. Because I think all of us have that stuff, right? Like, you know it says that you should love your enemies, but you really don't love them. You know that you should forgive but you really don't want to, right? You know that Jesus said the greatest in the kingdom is the servant of all, and you're like, thanks anyway. I want them to serve me. Now, don't get me wrong, because I realize we live in a culture, a trauma culture, we live in a victim culture, that when you start talking about forgiving and loving your enemies, that for, unfortunately for many people, they've had like abuse, and, and we're not ta- that's an extreme case that is not the principle I'm trying to get at here. Does that make sense? So I don't want to make sure, I've got to make sure we get, things get taken out of context. Well, is it, so we should serve everyone, we should love everybody, and my husband's abusing me. No, no, listen, if you're in an abusive situation, that's different, okay? But in the end of the day, as a principle, as followers of Jesus, forgiveness, love, grace, all these things are real. But for many of us, we're like, yeah, I don't really want to do that. And right there, it's we know what the truth is, we just don't want to do it. Now, here's what I want to tell you. The reason it's challenging is because none of us like to take steps of faith. We like walking by sight. Like you like knowing how the thing's going to work out. But here's what I'll tell you. Nine out of every ten times when God's word encourages me to do something that I don't want to do, ten out of ten times I don't want to do it. Every single time I do it, I realize God is way smarter than I am. And I'm happy I did it. But almost every time... I'm scared to do it. And that has been true for me following Jesus for 20-something years, and it still exists to this day. There are all sorts of times, as a pastor, as a follower of Jesus, 20 years in, where there's things that God wants me to do, and I know it, and I don't really want to do it. And at best, I take the step of faith, say, God, I don't really want to do this. I'm going to trust you. And once I take the step of faith, I'm like, I'm so happy God is smarter than I am. I'm so happy that God's ways are better than my ways. So, I don't want you to feel like, oh, man, I'm screwing everything up because I'm, listen, you haven't been doing, you need to start doing the word. What does God's word, because I realize all of us, if you're even a little bit sensitive to the spirit of God, you know that there's things that God has been wanting to do in your life that you've been dragging your feet on, putting into practice, incorporating into real life. Your homework is to simply say, God, I believe, help my unbelief, I'm gonna take a step. I'm gonna take a step. And then watch to see what God's going to do. Because what I have learned is that God meets us on the step of faith. He doesn't give us, 
I wish that God would give me the faith in advance to do most things, but actually the faith actually shows up and the empowering shows up on the step of faith, not before it. It's like, God didn't part the Red Sea. Wouldn't it have been cool for Moses and the children of Israel if the Red Sea was already parted when they showed up? That would have been cool, right? They're like, Moses, we're going right to the Red Sea. Moses like, don't worry, man. God already put up the dam. We're good to go. But no, they get there and it's still there and people are freaking out. And Moses like, stand and see the salvation of God. And then it parts. So for each one of us, the gift is on the step of faith, not before it. I wish it was before it, but then you wouldn't have to walk by faith. You can walk by, hey man, I'm empowered to do this. In some ways, I feel grateful for my personality, not always, but I'm kind of like a ready, shoot, aim kind of a guy. Actually, I'm probably more like a shoot, aim, ready kind of a guy. <laughs> like I just do it and then I'm like, oh, I'm like, I'm grateful for that because God does things. But I realize that after it's over, I'm like, I shouldn't have done that. That's crazy. What? Now, I know some of you are like, well, I'm not that person. I'm like, ready, aim, get ready again. Third readies, aim, 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 hold, now. And then you finally jump, if you ever jump. And so, and everyone's got different personalities that way. That was a good reference to Braveheart, if you didn't know the movie reference. It was in there. A couple of the dudes were like, I heard that Braveheart re- reference. Anyway, but here's the deal. Don't just hear the word. Here's what I want to say. Just because you heard the word at church does not mean that you're living a biblical life. You just heard, like, I love the fact that we're a Bible church. Like, we teach the word, always. Bible gets open, we teach the word. Lots of churches do that, right? Now, some people think my church is cooler than your church because my church teaches, my pastor teaches the word this way and your pastor teaches the word that way. Listen, you can go to a church that teaches the Bible. You don't have to live a biblical life at all. You just heard the word. Your life becomes a biblical life when you take that word that you're hearing and you put feet on it and you start to walk it out. But the person who doesn't, doesn't even know who they are. But what happens to the person who does put feet on the word? Listen to what it says, verse 25. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work... This one will be blessed in what he does. If anyone among you thinks he is religious, but does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this, to visit widows and orphans in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Now, I would say it this way, that you and I, we want to be religious in the best sense. Now, I say that because in our day and age, being religious, quote unquote, or religion has kind of a pejorative meaning. It's got a negative meaning, right? If someone says, oh, you're so religious, it normally means they don't like you, right? And many times as Christians, people say, well, it's not a religion, it's a relationship. Have you ever heard that phrase? Yeah, that's true, but the Bible is using the word what? Religion. So I always say we don't want to give these words up, but we want to make sure we define them the right way. So James is using the word religion and religious, and we want to make sure we embody this in the best possible way. Now, how do we do that? Notice it begins, he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it. I love that. What a great definition of the word of God, the perfect law of liberty. It's perfect because it's from God. It's the law because God is speaking in commandments. But when we follow the perfect law of liberty, it leads us to freedom, 
real freedom, real liberty, right? And it says when you do that and you continue in it, see that? Which means that you're applying, you're not just hearing the word, you're doing it, right? And it says, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one is blessed in all that they do. So when you are religious in the best possible sense of the word, you're a doer of the word, it says that you're blessed. Now notice this, verse 26. If anyone among you thinks he is religious but does not bridle his tongue, he deceives his own heart. And that one's religion is useless. Now you see how James just tied in being religious in the best sense to what we saw back in verse 19, be quick to listen and slow to speak. So he's saying, listen, if you say that you're religious, but you don't catch your tongue, you don't watch your mouth, then that religion is useless. You're totally missing the mark, right? And then James, by the Spirit, explains to us what religion really is, what God's definition of being religious actually is. Pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this. Now, don't miss that. Real religion is before God the Father, not before people. Jesus uses the idea of being religious in the negative sense when it was the Pharisees, because really they wanted people to see them. So I'm going to tell you, don't try and impress the person sitting next to you with your religion. Don't try and impress your neighbor with your religion. Don't try and impress some pastor with how religious you are. Because pure and undefiled religion is before God the Father. It's a vertical thing. It's about God and you, not you and the person next to you. Because we all know what it's like. Like you want to impress somebody with your religion, you get the biggest Bible you can find. Or my favorite thing, people get tattoos of Bible verses. Now, if you do, I'm not knocking you. I know some of you have it. I'm not knocking you. I was just telling my kids this. I'm like, it's way easier to get a Bible verse tattooed on your arm than it is to get God's word tattooed on your heart. It's way easier to get a cross tattooed on your arm than to deny yourself and take up your cross daily and follow him. I'm not knocking the tats, okay? I know you got, everyone likes, got the, you got your style. We love your style and you love your style and praise God for your style. <laughs> it's all good. Style away, people. But here's the deal. It's a lot harder to have God's word tattooed on your heart. And it's a lot harder to take up your cross and follow Jesus and let your heart be cruciform shaped, Right? So, so he's saying, it's before God. It's how God sees who you are and the intentions by which you're living. And then it says, it's this. And there, we have two definitions of pure and undefiled religion. First, you visit orphans and widows in their trouble. And second, you keep yourself unspotted from the world. The first category, it speaks about compassion. It speaks about justice. It speaks about the desire to meet people who are vulnerable in their vulnerability to help them. Jesus is real. Okay, so are you ready to put feet to your faith? Jump right in and do what God's asking you to do? Pastor Daniel gave you some great practical advice from the book of James on how to do that today. He reminded you too, though, that it won't be easy, but it's worth it. God's with you through it all, and he's got some amazing things planned. So don't be afraid. Ask God today what he wants you to do, and then go and do it. 
Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here. I just want to say thank you for tuning in. I'm so stoked you're a listener of Jesus' Real Radio, and I know Jesus has amazing plans for you. I'd love to hear the story of how God's working in your life. Give us a call here at Jesus' Real Radio at 360-256-4655 or email me at real at danielfusco.com. We're so glad we can be a part of your life through the ministry of Jesus' Real Radio. Would you like to be a part of what we're doing? We would like to ask that you prayerfully consider becoming a financial partner of this program. Your contribution, no matter the size, will be used to reach people with the gospel message. Find out more at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Just click on Give. Thank you for partnering with us. Next time on Jesus Is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel talks about treating people the same. He'll share what it means to not elevate one person over another based on their social status or gender or age. Jesus took this approach to loving people. He offered hope and redemption to everyone. That's exactly what it is. Impartiality is loving people as Jesus loves, no matter who they are, no matter how hard that is for you. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio.